The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, we can't go to weddings at the moment, so uh, I thought I'd deliver you some nice, heartwarming wedding news, if you're ready and want it. Okay. <laughs> That's, um, uh, did you see the one? on? The, it was on the BBC. It was about um, a couple that became Mr. and Mrs. White Christmas after tying the knot in a pre-lockdown wedding. See, I thought, first of all, you know how people change their name by deed poll? Mm. So years ago, we used to have on all the time this guy who called himself, who renamed himself Mr. Christmas, and every single day was Christmas. So he got himself, he did a turkey dinner every day, sprouts every day. God, you wouldn't want to spend any room with him, would you? Yeah. Um, but th- these guys were actually called Tilly Christmas and Kieran White. They met at school age 12 and they married at the Roman Baths in Bath last Tuesday. Were you their wedding photographer? I wasn't, although one of the last weddings I did do was at the Roman Baths. Oh, you, Bath. you could have had that one. Probably not for me. You know, when I was a kid, no, it wasn't me, it was Gemma, I think. Gemma, you, when they used to say, you got to change your name by deed poll, used to think there was a pole somewhere and you had to stand by it. And it actually meant stand by the pole. There was a stand pole by. like in London. You have to go and stand by it and hold on to this pole oh. and change your name. You've got to love Gemma, haven't you? The Fuji cast. <laughs> She loves simple things. <laughs> Actually, it might have been her ex-husband. Who oh, used to oh right. That. Oh, was it? Oh, right. Okay. Well, one of them. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to the Fuji Cast. We'll explain in a moment why we're sounding a little bit different. You and your questions from the electronic mailbag, and of course, also through the Fuji Cast private Facebook group that you're welcome to become a part of. If you want to uh, send a mail in, you can still do so the old-fashioned way which is click at fujicast.co.uk. If you're not Fuji film shooter, makes no odds. You're still warmly welcome. Uh, we've got a book of the week this week uh, from, from Kev. Um, and also we're going to do a few bump to the front questions. And Edmund Terracopian is on the show to tell us about a special auction of prints for Médecins Sans Frontières. And, uh, yeah, that's what, what's on the show today. And the reason why we sound a bit different, Kev, we're back in blooming lockdown. Oh. Yes, back in my blinking living room. My like, desk's in a different place, though. Are you? Oh, they've allowed you to work at home then. I thought. I thought this time with uh, with it being a little bit more relaxed. Gemma might have had you packed off to the studio each day. Well, no. I mean, I the thing is, I, in the studio is just me, so I'm yeah. still going to go once a week, do some YouTube stuff and everything like that. Yeah. Stuff I can't do here, but yeah. you know, for the sake of of the the effort yeah. um, that everybody else is hopefully going through, then uh, then I'm doing the same. Right. basically well, that's good and that's why we're doing it like that like this you've not you've yeah. not you're not snuck across county borders and sort of um snuck through the the back door to sit here and do the show with me face to face you're you're in your place and i'm in my place yeah and this yeah. is we're, we're not sidestepping the lines no no sidestepping and we're going to carry on this way until um until boris says otherwise or the yeah. two badly dressed scientists. Does he still exist, Boris? I thought I actually thought coronavirus had finished. Because, <laughs> like, whenever I go on the internet now, it's just wall to wall madness. Uh, well, yeah, pond. yeah. Well, by the time this show goes out, we might actually know. Now, this is weird, isn't it? Perhaps we yeah. shouldn't put this link in because I'll have to edit it out. Oh, hang it! No, we're doing this on the Friday. We and, and before the Monday, when we could have a new president. Or we not, won't, or, but they well, will. Yeah, I say we. It does feel like we now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I actually, I'm looking forward to the coronavirus news coming back. Oh. It's like, well, where's it gone? Kev! And Brexit. Whatever happened to Brexit? Do you remember Bre- Brexit? Brexit? What's that? That, that was a thing. Yeah, that well, was a thing. Was that something? Yeah, that? it was something. I think it was like in the 70s or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> and this pesky oh. virus came along. That got wiped out by some American election. Yeah. And, uh, and then, well... That's it. That's all we ever talk about. Well, no, because I dug off that nice Mr. and Mrs. Christmas story for you this morning. 
You must have dug very deep into BBC News. news. Yeah, I did, yeah. Right, let's take a a face plant into the questions with some bump to the fronts after a brief word from a friend of ours, Brian Caparici, who's been working hard with his team to make sure professionals that are either in the business or about to join this magnificent industry, which will be firing on all cylinders before too long again, can be properly organised in their 2020 studios and businesses and beyond. Sprout Studio is an all-in-one studio management suite built for photographers by photographers. You get your CRM, galleries, email marketing, scheduling and bookkeeping all in one place. My name is Brian Capricci and I'm a Fuji photographer having photographed weddings and portraits for 15 years now. I'm also the CEO and founder here at Sprout Studio. This Black Friday, not only can you save, but we've gathered everything you need to redo 2020 and start next year on the right foot. Visit SproutRedo.com slash podcast to learn more today. As our good friend Brian said, go to SproutRedo.com forward slash podcast. That's SproutRedo.com forward slash podcast. We will, of course, put that address within the show notes for, uh, for today as well. The FujiCast. Every single Monday, uh, a new, a brand new episode with myself and Kev. If you're brand new to this cast, by the way, um, uh, welcome. Because um, I, I, I was noticing the other... We, we hit... Oh, yes, that's the other thing I meant to mention. Half half a million downloads now. Um, mm. And I noticed um, some sort of new little spikes here and there, which which seems to suggest there's some new ones around here. And if it feels like your first day at school, don't worry. It's a very safe place. Nobody's going to dunk your head in the loo here. You're, but you might have to wear a mask. You, you, might, yeah, you definitely have to wear a mask. So, uh, yeah, half a million. That's pretty good going, million, isn't yeah. it? I was, really, I was really happy with it. I was really chuffed with that. I was sitting there, you know, like people do on YouTube when they watch their numbers tick over. Mm. And I was thinking I really wanted to catch it tick onto the half million. Went to make a cup of tea, came back. It was half a million and eight. No, oh, you told me you were, on a, you were on a long walk. Oh, was that what I was doing? Yeah, yeah, that must have been what yeah, I was doing. Yeah, see you covering your tracks now. <laughs> you're really having a cup of tea telling me you're on a long walk. <laughs> no, I think I did. I did go on a walk. <laughs> Came back, make a, made a cup of tea. Shall we move on? Right, we've we got a few bumps to the fronts here. So the bit bump to the fronts, for those who don't know, are the, uh, the people that have, uh, have helped us out by chucking a few quid into the Patreon box, and uh, they get kind of a little bit of priority on their questions. Yes. Um, let's go for uh, Chludis. That's the way you'd say it, isn't it? Um, wouldn't want to stand in front of you when you said it. No, not at all. Not in these, not in these ages. Uh, it's not show-related per se, chaps, but I went back through the show notes. Couldn't find the name of the workout regime that Kev's doing. Something like 111110 or something. <laughs> it was a long time ago. That's what it was. <laughs> Are you actually doing a workout regime right now? I've been to the job. literally just got out of the shower. I, I've, uh, I've tidied myself up. I've been for a run and thrown some aftershave on, especially for you. And uh, it's, but I'm not doing what I used to do, right. and that because I was doing that in the gym. So what what I was doing, and I don't think it had a regime name. I found it. I, I stumbled across it on YouTube, and I honestly wouldn't know which video it was. But it was something that that took my fancy, and it was because it was simple. And I'm quite a simple person. I need simple things. Well, this was the one and, one 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 ten thing. Yeah, that's right. So the idea was that three times a week you'd start with one kilometer, ten press ups, ten sit ups, and you'd do that three times a week. And if you managed it three times a week, the next week you'd go up to one and a half kilometers. 15 sit-ups 15 press-ups if you manage that three times you'd bump yourself up to two 20 and 20 but the caveat was that if you never managed three in one week you had to go down a level the next week so let's say you got to five kilometers 50 press-ups 50 sit-ups you only did it twice a week then a week after you'd be back down to four and a half uh, 40 and 40 and the idea was that you get up to 
running 10 kilometers three times a week and doing 100 press-ups and 100 sit-ups three times a week. Um, and I, th- this was a long time. This was this was last year sometime. No, I'm no, a, it was this year. You, you, you were like doing it this year. No, you were doing it this year. You're doing it earlier on this year. No, well, it was way before lockdown. Really? Because I was doing it in the gym, yeah. And I managed to get to the gym maybe six or seven times recently. Um, no, they've closed again, of course. But yeah. no, this was way before lockdown. Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, why, have you, why have you stopped doing it? Sounds like it sounds like a good regime to me. Well, because I just I just kind of didn't have lockdown came along, didn't it? I couldn't I wasn't I couldn't run on the roads because of my stupid old legs and feet and things like that. Now I've got some <laughs> fancy new running dappers that Falling hopefully will help me. God. Um, being out for a run today, so that, it seemed to be all right. But I'll tell you tomorrow if the gout comes back. Um, so anyway, yeah. So to answer Claudius' question, it was uh, it was simply that. Yeah, one, uh, ten ten press ups, ten sit ups, one kilometer, one and a half kilometers, ten sit that uh, fifteen, fifteen, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's probably not very good for you, to be honest with you. But I don't care. No. Nothing's good for well, you. You're not doing it anyway days. now. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, we've got one here from Z. There's there's three bumped to the front here. Zishan Khan. Um, said, uh, I've got a question about printing photos. Chaps, I'm getting ready to put up a prints section where people can order my prints, 810 size. At least uh, initially I don't want to farm out this work, so I was hoping if you could give me some guidance around it. What printer should... Well, he's got five questions. What printer should I get? Now, have you got a printer at the moment? Oh, I've only got an office printer at the moment. I used to have one of those big Canon... Pixma Pro oh, 1000, yeah. I don't know what it was called. I had an Epson. Really good, yeah. really good prints. Cost, a four, cost more than my car to run a month. Did it? Yeah, because the inks, if you don't use them, the inks just dry up anyway. Do, yeah, yeah. And, and, and don't go buying cheap inks. Buy, buy, no. you know, if you buy that, you're going to be buying a new printer. Am I? Ba- I have to say, banding. my stock answer to that question is unless you really need, and there are people who need to and will and want to take full control over the print process, I just use a lab. Yeah. Which That's paper, well, which paper, you're probably going to say use a lab for black and white colour prints. I used to use a, um, a Hannah Muller, um, Mule paper mm-hmm. for, for that, um, unco- uncoated sort of stock, which I loved. Mm. But again, um, I mean that can be quite expensive. Well, I'd speak to the lab because the uh, if you're using a lab, the lab will will educate you on which paper yeah. is best. Yeah. Um, there's all kinds, isn't there? You, you know, you've got Fujifilm paper these days. You've got the hand mill stuff. There's loads, and and I'm not. Yeah. I always remember the. Um, do you remember? Do you ever used to get the magazine from the SWPP? Used to come like. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, there used to be a very very um, in depth <laughs> article written by one particular chap. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, for the people who are into that stuff, then absolutely, it would have been gold gold mine of information. But you know, the the density and fabric fibers oh. of paper and everything i mean he was very thorough he was very was. Um, but it was like every quarter yeah it was the same it was same thing. I was like just show us some pictures <laughs> yeah. anyway um but he was exceptionally thorough though I mean, I, i'll give him that i suppose what we would say is if you do want to print at home and you want to take full control then absolutely get a you know one of the quality printers and i would say canon on epsom are probably the ones in the market yeah. place for that yeah. um certainly were when i was looking um paper i always used to use hannah mill paper um it was quite expensive mm. but i used to use it the black and whites looked great mm. i used to prefer um like semi-coated matte rather than gloss yeah. paper that was my preference yeah. uh well that was only two parts of the question well it's, well yeah um i want to keep it simple and offer one size yeah that's fine i would agree with you although i'd, I'd probably go a little bit bigger as well maybe a 12 16 or 16 20 or something like that as well but how should i frame my prints i want to keep that simple as well and how the hell do i package and ship them well i see Ooh. those last two play into both of our opinions on on getting the pros to do it because i think it's a lot cheaper and easier in the the long run i, I mean i know zishan you're in you're in the states 
But here we have, I mean, there's Sim, there's Loxley, who are all very good as well. I've used both companies. Loxley I use for for um, printing the prints. They do a superb job, uh, and they they can now package it up beautifully and send it to your client. Job done. Well, Michael Beecham, who's a, a friend of the show, he had a nightmare this week, um, according to his Facebook page, about sending some prints. He was doing exactly the same thing as Ishan printing himself, um, framing things himself, sending them off glass-framed prints. I'm not going to mention the um, uh, the dispatch company that he used, but let's just say it went very badly. What, with him, um, him sort of doing it all himself, so self-fulfilling uh, uh, the... Yeah, so if you're sending a lot of the... Um, a lot of the courier companies in this country won't allow you to send glass. In the po- yes, in you're right. Korea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. There's a, there's a whole list. I was, I remember when I used to do this kind of stuff. Uh, used to send things off. Um, not not way before my photography stuff. And like on the DPD website and things like that, you could get them to come and pick things up. And that used to make me feel very posh. <laughs> rather than having to go to the post office, I'd have the DPD man come to my door and collect yeah. my things. Um, but there's a whole list of things that you can't send in in these things. And it's usual. It's things like uh, gunpowder, guns drugs body parts yeah. glass right well <laughs> that is esteemable dead list. bodies dead bodies, no dead bodies. glass dead uh, pets, um, yeah living pets, animals yeah uh, frames with photographs in them glass yeah it really uh, yeah, really funny um so yeah double check that as well yeah. I, I i don't know what it's like in the states but um yeah you you, you would need uh specialist insurance i would think yeah I, i'm I, i'm all for because i don't think you save an awful lot of money printing this stuff yourself and sending unless you are into your fine i spoke to a fine art photographer the other day for for um photography daily and uh, we were talking, um, we didn't really do this bit on air, but we were talking about, you know, get, getting your prints sent out. And we were both discussing the, God, dear, you know, printing and, and getting the inks and doing that and, and running tests and then realising that's gone wrong and, and then just passing it to somebody who really knows what they're doing and prints beautifully. It's no, yeah. diff- it's no different to the days when you would give, uh, who was it? Uh, was it um, was it Robin Bell, the uh, the printer in London? You'd, you'd say, oh, just, mm. you know, all those famous photographers would say, Robin, just do the stuff. And, uh, and, and you know that you were working with a professional who would send it to the client and they'd be happy. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, some people, especially if you're um, doing film, of course, this is part of the process. And that's that it. So some people, this is the important bit or more important bit. Yeah. And they, they want to take full yeah, control yeah, of it. Yeah, so yeah. I'm assuming that uh, Zichan's fallen into that category. Yes. Um, for everybody else, I would just use a lab, I have to say. Um, but, yeah, if you're, you know, you want to take full control, then those are the those are the kind of bits of advice we'd give you. I've, I'd give gone, you. I've gone to the back of the studio because because um, I wanted to just grab Robin Bell's book because while we're talking, and you were saying that some people obviously want, want to take the whole process, but I'm looking at names here like Bob Carlos Clark. Uh, Clive Arrowsmith, the superb portraiture um, guy. David Gamble, McCullin, uh, Patrick Litchfield. Come on, Patrick Litchfield. I mean, these are names that have Stephen Burkoff, uh, Terence Donovan, Snowden. These are people that never did their own printing, but they trusted this chap, Robin Bell, to do mm. it. Um, and of course, it was different in film days. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, uh, you could argue now that it's different but you're you're still entrusting a professional to print the stuff for you so you don't yeah yeah absolutely but it's yeah. not the end of the world if no. the, you know you, you when you send when you're giving somebody your negatives and all that kind of stuff oh, God, if, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah but that's yeah. that's that's what i mean so uh, thank you zishan oh do you want one more and then it's you and then it's your question but this the the end of the bump 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 to the front guess who we've got next we got tommy two <laughs> 
He said, uh, hello guys, I wanted to say I'm thinking of you uh, with your new lockdowns. You've all been here for us consistently, so let, let us know what we can do for you. Perhaps I can send a bottle of Colorado whiskey. Maybe, cool. maybe yeah. fresh mountain water just outside Denver. Sounds good to me. That sounds great, yeah. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Um, and we could do the show next week with a bottle of Colorado whiskey each. Goodness! No, but hang on. If he's sending it from America, don't don't let us. Don't post. Doesn't the post take about three weeks to get to places in America at the moment? Does it? Well, yeah. Okay. I think so. According to the according to the election well, we'll, people, we'll probably get it. <laughs> we'll probably get it by the end of lockdown. Yeah. A question. A while back, somebody asked about the X100F showing an error message when focusing at distance with a UV protector in front of the lens, which prevents full range of movement. Can't remember which episode it was, but is this bad, or can it damage the camera if it happens enough? I was able to reset everything by turning it off and turning it on again. Um, so I like the lower profile with just a UV protector, but we'll use the lens hood if I need to. Uh, yeah, so this is this is why the uh, X100 has a what's known as a vanity ring, that little silver ring that you can screw off the front or screw on the front. Um, technically known as the vanity ring, because if you have something that's too close to the lens, the way the lens, I'm not sure actually with the X100V whether it's still the case. Don't I don't, think I it don't is. have a V, I've only got the F. So. Yeah, no, it doesn't. The X100V didn't come with a vanity ring, so presumably because the lens is a, it's got a new depth to it, so yeah, probably not the case. But the others did, and um, so if you had a, if you put a UV filter on it or a, uh, a lens hood or something, a third-party lens hood that was too close to the front of the uh, the front element, then it would push against it when the camera was switched on because the lens extracts and retracts. And it shouldn't, I mean, you wouldn't want to be doing it day in, day out, but it shouldn't cause too much trouble, I wouldn't have thought. I've done it millions of times, um, and I even, I, I used to have the, well, still have it somewhere, the teleconverter, um, no, the wide-angle converter, which is much narrower than the teleconverter. And I found, when I was in Argentina once, I was, I was screwing it onto the front of my camera, and um, it was a bit stiff. I thought a bit stiff. Almost maybe there's you know a bit of stickiness on the lens or some on the the thread. I went off shooting with it, and all I could see through the viewfinder was a pinhole circle. I thought, oh my god, my camera's knackered. <laughs> and uh, but I made some nice pictures with it. It was quite interesting. It was a proper circle. It was like looking through a funnel. Right. And what I'd done is screwed the lens on completely the wrong way. I'd screwed. <laughs> I'd screwed the back of the teleconverter on the front, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and 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 I thought well, actually that works, it, you know. And, and then uh, I wrote a post about it actually. And, and is so that, is uh, that post still available? Can we find that? Is that? Is I that... don't know. It might be. It might be in the the, the depths of f sixteen dot click somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I wouldn't suggest doing it because I'm, I'm sure it's not a good good mm. thing. But yes. Yeah, so the uh, sorry went off on a tangent. Uh, the um, yeah. So that's what's happening. It's pushing against the um, the thing on the front. Um, you can get special adapters and stuff like that that will allow you to use your filters on a X100. Um, but, yeah, just just be careful. It won't do yeah. too much harm. I mean, it's a little bit like hitting your head against the wall a couple of times. You'd be all right, but you don't want to do it hundreds of times. <laughs> careful. Oh, yes. All right. Uh, you're, I think you're going for the Facebook group here for, for your questions, aren't you? So uh, go on, Kev. Right. The first one I'm looking at is uh, it's about Capture One, and neither of us have it. But I, well, I tell you what, I'll read it out. I don't think we'll be able to answer it. Right. Um, but I'll read it out. And maybe, remember, this is on Facebook, guys. So if you are in the Facebook group and you, you have the answer, then uh, then hop in and, and let yeah. Joseph know. So this is from Joseph Abad. He says, Hi, gents. A Capture One question, but mainly a backup question. Oh, maybe we will be able to answer it. After I've exported from Capture One, I've backed up my keepers on the cloud with access from my phone and my desktop. 
what happens to your unusable or three-star or less RAF fires uh, on Capture One Lightroom? As a hobby photographer, my MacBook Pro HD is running low on space. I have a cheap, spacious, and portable Samsung SSD. <laughs> that's a, that's a, you should be doing yeah. marketing adverts with yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Samsung, Joseph. Cheap, spacious, and portable. Yeah. Um, and I'm ready to use it, but I'm just not sure how I should utilize it. And would love some suggestions. In addition to my unlimited cloud space, which is on Amazon Prime, keep all my four or five star JPEGs on the SSD and toss the refs onto Capture One. Right. I know a cringeworthy question to some, but I'm also willing to let go of unusable shots. So for the sake of keeping yeah. things lean, cheers mm. from West Hartford, Connecticut, USA. Okay, so, well, yeah, so Capture One is irrelevant, actually, to this question, yeah. I think. Um, Although you're the only one of the two of us have used it, and then you sort of used it, and you let it go again, didn't you? Didn't Yes, yeah. but the question's not about Capture One. The, capture, no. the question's about backups. So I always think, my, no, this is my personal opinion, and obviously everybody else's mileage may vary. I never take any images into Lightroom or Capture One, if you're using that, that I am not going to keep. Okay, so the idea of using a rating system, four, five, three, two, one, all that kind of stuff, to me, I just don't do that. I do all of my selections first, which I use Photo Mechanic for, mm-hmm. but you do can you, do it in anything. Do you do do you do the colour thing? So they're all purple, which is the foot number one. Yeah, that's exactly. A, but it's a just a way of identifying yeah, the yeah. keepers. And then only those get taken into Lightroom. Yes. Everything else just gets deleted. Yeah, I don't <laughs> keep. It. I don't keep any. Brutal. Yeah, I don't. I don't keep anything that I don't think I'm going to go back to. I mean, that'd be. A, I mean, at the moment, I've got plenty of room for it, <laughs> but usually during the year, no. That's the last thing you want to be doing is keeping hundreds of RAF files where you don't need to. Well, there's two. There's two little caveats to this. So one for client work, weddings, and all that kind of stuff. I will keep the entire shoot for usually till the end of the the following year. Really? So you keep every RAF? Well, only that. Only in that I dump them all onto one big. Um, oh, right, okay. hard drive in yeah. the studio and just so if, the if, cupboard. if that hard drive did happen to go south get wouldn't get, matter get eaten by git or something then um then it wouldn't be the, the end of the world no um but for all the personal stuff um i don't keep it and i think it's hard because you know i think we've talked about this before but if you've got five pictures let's just say you and the boys go out you know i don't know what playing football or something and sam of course in fact sam's the yeah, only no, one she is, football, no well, she's the footballer she, yeah, she, she plays <laughs> i mean she's really upset because her team can't play at the moment she yeah. scored two last week um real bend it like beckham free kicks fantastic oh, i know good for her yeah yeah it's, it's crazy that they uh, same for the kids. Albie can't play football tomorrow either. You can go to school and play football with the same people you would play football with on a Saturday morning, but you can't play on a Saturday morning. Anyway, let's just say you've you know, you've taken f- five pictures of Sam scoring an amazing goal. And she it's hard. She doesn't score that many. There's only two, Kev. Only two, not five. Uh, no, no, five pictures of her taking scoring one goal. All right, okay. Let's just say you've got on burst. <laughs> okay. Come on, keep up. All right, I'm with you. <laughs> um, and it's going to be hard for you to go, actually... You know, it's my wife. She's scoring a goal. I don't want to delete any of these. But only one of them is going to be the best one. Simple as that, isn't it? And so I'll just delete the other four pictures Mm. and and keep one. It is hard. It's not something that's easy to do. But I I wonder whether it comes with uh, when you're shooting weddings and you're used to culling. Culling such a horrible word, isn't it? I prefer keeping the stuff you like rather than getting rid of the stuff you don't. Well, that's why I think that's why I think photo mechanic is a positive way of culling because you're, yeah. you're, you're you know it's a, yes I want I want I want I want rather than rubbish 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 and uh, yeah I I I think maybe when you do weddings if if you're used to culling if you're used to making a lot of selections um, and then then I think maybe you get just a little bit braver at, at, at making 
and brazen, perhaps, and making those decisions as you go along to, you know, just just saying, no, I don't want that. That's the one I want. That's the one I want. That. And, and, and not overthinking it. I think that's the problem with culling. You can spend, and, and overshooting, by the way, those people that shoot 10, 20,000 images every single event. Uh, mm. God, dear. I mean, you lay yourself down a bit of you know, gauntlet, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, everybody's different, aren't they? So everybody does things in a different way. But ultimately, if your storage is coming down, if your space is low and you're finding the workflow a little bit laborious, then that's what you've got to look at. You know, you've got to look at your workflow and the way that you do things rather than the storage I would say, um, and you know, start thinking about being a little bit more um, brutal with your with your right. You know, I, I just for me the whole four, five, three, two, one, it, it just doesn't make sense. You know, if all the pictures I want to keep have to be ones I want to keep, mm. all of the others, if they're not quite good enough, then my, you know, just personally don't see the point. Yeah, otherwise you end up with this the the number three, which is a kind of like oh, it's it's kind of good but slightly flawed in places. Mm. <laughs> I don't know where you are. I think you. Yeah. Into, I, I'm not sure. I think it was you that introduced me to to photo mechanic. I mean, I've been using it for years now, but uh, I'm sure yeah. it was you that maybe introduced me to it. But actually, yeah. that is just the best best way of sorting stuff. It really is. It's 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 pretty nippy as well with RAF files. And um, That's brilliant. Mm. It's a brilliant application. Brilliant. I think, and I think it's like ninety US dollars or something. Yeah. And yeah, uh, that, honestly, it's. The latest Definitely the thing to buy first for me if I was reset if I was starting everything up again. So we're on Photo Mechanic six now, aren't we? Because I had to because mm -hmm. five is down here on this machine, but six is the one I use on the laptop, which is where I do my sorting. I've mm. noticed that six is a little bit more sluggish with RAF files, by the way. Have you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely a bit more sluggish. Try, try on a me. Windows machine. Oh, try on a proper quiet. computer. See what happens. <laughs> I was speaking to a tech guy earlier <laughs> in Spain who uh, I said, "Yeah, are you a Mac or a or a Windows user?" And he said. Mac, of course. Otherwise, I'm going to be buying a new machine every year. So, <laughs> I, I don't talk to my friend well, Kev. Well, he, he can't be that good at tech. He might have something to say about it. Oh, no. Well, I don't know. Once you're a Mac tech, you probably don't see the other side, do you, really? Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, have you got another a Facebooker? Because I, I, I piled on a few questions for you, so... Yes. Take another so uh, the next question is from Jonathan Crilly, and he says, XS10, so XS10, S right. for sugar, Sierra. Yeah. Sierra. X-ray X Sierra. X-ray hyphen Sierra 10. Yeah. Well, Where does it fit into the range? Is it right. a replacement for the X-T30, an X-H1 replacement, mm -hmm. but aligned to a different segment? And will you be adding it to one of your kits? For me, no. Mm. No, not for me. I'm just trying to find the camera emoji you now to tell people we went. So there we go. Sorry. You, if I, if those, I was... Those who, those who wonder... Yeah. It's much more difficult when I can't see you. I know. I know. That would be terrible if we were in a, you know, in a kind of romantic relationship, wouldn't it? Well, if we're in a romantic relationship, Kev, we'd be living with each other. We'd be in each other's bubble, wouldn't well, we? Well, no, not necessarily. Not if you're like a 17-year-old or something. Well, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> we could, I, I, could always, I could always sort of... Um, uh, would Boris allow me to rejig the studio so we put up a great big piece of glass so it looks like I'm... Either one of us is visiting each other in prison. Well, I'm not saying I want to be in a romantic relationship. No. I'm quite happy. Quite happy where I am. <laughs> what are you saying? Uh, um, uh, well, yes. So where were we? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> we take this ring. Uh, <laughs> Will you be my Mrs. Christmas? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I know who I'd like to photograph it. Hang on a minute. Um, 
because apparently, oh, hang on, apparently, uh, according to Sizer, you're my favorite wedding photographer. You should uh, be my wedding. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. When you get married, when you get married, I'll be there. Listen to the two of you. You'd have to photograph your own wedding, Kev. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Oh, well, I hope she gets married too. Yeah. She's 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 got a really no, nice boyfriend. Don't, as don't, well, so. don't get married yet because we can't fly to it. Wait a while, Spicer. Ah, then we'll true, be over. True. Right. Anyway, back to Jonathan's question. Mm. And I have no idea how this question made us go down the route down, down that route of uh, being in a romantic relationship. Well, I don't know. It's weird. weird. Uh, anyway, XS10. So yes. XS10, for those of you that don't know it, is the newest. I believe it's the newest announced Fujifilm camera. Um. And it's, yeah, it's it's kind of different to all of the others. It's more like the older kind of bridge cameras, really, in, in I don't know, maybe in what they're aiming at. I really, I don't know. It's, it's I, I had one, I held one just before it was launched, but I've never, I haven't used it or anything. And actually, it feels very good in the hand. It's got a much bigger grip, although it uses the older um, 126 batteries rather mm. than the ones that are in the X-T4. The, the thing I didn't like the most was that it had a PASM dial, which is a, uh, you know, like those of you that use Canons and Nikons will be used to it. On the, you know, on the, on the top, you've you, got the PAS. Yeah, yeah P mode, A mode, yeah, S mode, yeah, yeah, yeah. M mode. I'm, I'm very much used to my, my, you know, my manual dials now. So I didn't like that, but it's got a fully articulating flip screen and, you know, a sensor of the X-T4 doesn't have the same filming capabilities as far as I know. So I, I think... It's kind of aimed. I don't think it's an XT30 replacement, and I don't think it's an XH1 replacement because XH1 is far more capable video-wise. So I think it's somewhere in between. I think it's kind of aiming at the the vlogger market, um, you know, and I think it'd be very, very good for that. It's probably not something I would buy um, no. right now, at least. No. Don't need it so much. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I just. I would get an XT4 if I was buying a new camera. Yeah, me too. Um, which I'm saving up for in 2027. That, that <laughs> um, early, blimey! You must yeah. be doing well. <laughs> yeah, 2027. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that's that's. If you're a vlogger or you're into that kind of stuff, then I think that's where it's it's going to fit. It was interesting to see most of the marketing that Fujifilm, and this comes from uh, Japan, of course, kind of um, was very Instagram based, in Instagram orientated the marketing. Um, so I, you know, that gives us a clue, doesn't it, at the audience yeah. that they're aiming for. So, um, and in Asia, that's a huge, huge market, yes. whether it be so big over here yeah. in the States, really don't know, but it's a nice camera. I did. I, I like the feel of it, I have to say, but it's, well, I, for I, me, I, the ergonomics are different. Yeah. I like the big grip thing. That's why I like mm. the, XA. if I could have the grip thing on my, on, 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 on my X-T4, like I've got one. Um, no. Then, then I'd, um, then I'd, I'd be made up with that. But uh, yeah, I like. See, for I like filming, that. I agree with you totally. Grip but is really me, important I for just, filming. I want it to be as small as possible. That's, the, mm. that's why I never liked the XH1. Really, it was just mm. big, and uh, you know, always, the, yeah, you've always said this. I've never thought the XH1 is a big camera. Yeah, well, sit it next to the X70, mm, then you'll, yeah. then you'll understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, right, it's, it's time for the interview. But before we do that, um, who's, who's, uh, what's the book this week, Kev? The book this week is, um, it's called Daily Encounters, Photographs from Fleet Street. Oh, this is going to be really difficult because usually I sit here and I, I sort of yeah. peer over and look at the page and, oh, look at that, Kev. I'm not going to be able to do any of that this week. But um, a couple of weeks ago, we were, I can't remember the book that this would have been uh, referring to, but uh, we were talking about uh, the tube in the 1980s. Oh, that would have been um, uh, Bob Mazur. Bob Mazur, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, there was a comment from uh, Andy Brim who said uh, the tube in the 80s, because I think we talked about it, you could smoke on the underground in the 1980s. Yeah, well, I remember, yeah. I mean, but, back in my naughty days, yeah. I used to do it myself. Yeah, well, the King's Cross Fire, as he said quite rightly, 1987, question mark. Oh, I should have checked this. Yeah. Put an end to that. My, my, uh, my, uh, a girlfriend, my girlfriend, a girlfriend at the time uh, was was caught up in that fire. It was it was uh, it was horrendous. Um, she got out safely, fortunately, obviously. But he said, "Don't you remember all those lines of fag butts trapped yeah. between the wooden slats on the car- yeah. carriage floors?" Yeah, I do. Yeah. God, yeah. So no, that wasn't so good, was it? I don't think you get yeah. wooden floor carriages anymore, do you? I don't think so. No, I think the last of them were on the district line, weren't they? Were they? And they they kind of got rid of them probably about three or four years ago. But yeah. Well, I tell you, and they wait, had that smell. They could still they, yes, each yeah. each line smells different. Yeah. I tell you where you can still find them, because um, just in the week before lockdown, we took ourselves abroad. Um, well, the Isle of Wight. Uh, there's a bit of water between us and them, <laughs> and um, and they still run. Uh, I think 1940s or 50s or whatever it is, uh, really old red old London tube trains. Um, as their overground train on the Isle of Wight. Oh, do they? It's a really rattly. I've got some. I've got some pictures from it. Uh, maybe I should uh, process them and put them up. But uh, I bet Thomas loved that. Oh, he absolutely adores it, and he tries to stand up, and you get thrown all over the place. And yeah, uh, yeah it's a really, really old rolling stock. It's it really is old, and yeah. uh, and it's really funny because the line, the Isle of Wight line, is a bit jiggity jiggity, and <laughs> going along, you're getting thrown left, right, and centre. But they still have them, and uh, that's that's where, yeah, the, the I don't know the wooden I'm, floors, but... I'm surprised they got trains on the Isle of Wight. I yeah, thought if you fell over, you'd, like, reach the other side of it. Oh, no, Kev, it's a little bit bigger than that. I've never been. <laughs> right, uh, this week's interview. Now, it's unusual in some respects in that this is a chat about an event and, and not necessarily a photographer, although it is with a photographer called Edmund Terracopian, a very fine photojournalist, actually, based in London, um, who I've talked to, actually, on the uh, on the Photography Daily podcast uh, a few times now. And we'll link to him and his work and the event we're about to discuss, too, on the website, our website. Go to fujicast.co.uk, that's fujicast.co.uk, then choose this episode, number 154. On that page, that is where you'll find show notes to all that is discussed and relevant here. If you collect books, maybe you haven't considered collecting prints. Well, here's a very good place, time and reason to start. Let's start by talking about the work of uh, Médecins Sans Frontières, what what it is, um, who they are, why it's so important, why it exists. So MSF, uh, as you say, Médecins Sans Frontières, the literal translation in English being Doctors Without Borders, is an organization that um, that basically functions as a charity so it, it needs funding from from people like us to help them work and they work across the world um, in 70 countries um, going to the aid of people who need who need medical attention uh, traditionally you know one would have found them more so in various African countries uh, when 
droughts and so on happened, but they do work across the world. And now with this awful pandemic gripping the world, um, that's that's their main sort of uh, focus has, has been helping communities in countries that need help that, uh, you know, that their own medical systems aren't necessarily able to cope with, with what's going on. And, um, you know, what we're doing is raising funds to, to, to help them specifically fight COVID-19 across the 70 countries that they're working in. And this will help them get all the PPE that they need, all the other sort of medical equipment and drugs and so on that they need to help treat patients and help sort of carry on living. I mean, the project's been seven months in the making. I've I've dedicated seven months of my life along with a couple of colleagues from Eyewitness. It's taken a long time to get all the photographs together, to get photographers involved, to then find an auction house and so on. And uh, now we're sort of in the final phase, which is a marketing uh, which everyone who's listening to this podcast can help with, you know, share the word, tweet it, Facebook it, Instagram it. You can find me as at Terracopian on social media. And if you don't have time to write your own stuff, just hit retweet. Sadly, our timing is more crucial than it was when we first set up to do this project because it took so long to to um, get everyone involved across the world. You know, time zones and so on obviously don't help doing anything quickly. But now with the second wave gripping most of the world, the situation is really dire in many, many countries. So we're really, really desperate to help as much as we can and raise as many funds as we possibly can for MSF for them to be able to do this this crucial work, work especially now that, as I say, the situation has got much, much worse. So as, as much as we'd like to believe that the organisation is flush with, with cash because of who they are and the, and the name that they rightly have, it sounds like they're not. Uh, I, I mean, I have no idea what 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 the financial uh, status of of MSF is, but it's it's a charitable organisation that relies on charitable donations. You know, there's um, they're a very well established group. They're extremely professional. There, but they need help to be able to continue doing the work that they do, and uh, this is where we come in. Um, when we started the project, uh, we had seventeen members in the in the in the eyewitness collective, uh, which is a collective of photographers, and we were originally set up as as this international group just to help raise awareness of of why printing is so important. Uh, prints, photographic prints, uh, even printed books resonate with people in a totally different way than this throwaway culture of digital photography where people swipe and scroll and swipe and scroll and, you know, spend half a second on each picture because they're bombarded by millions of images. So that was the, that's, that's the reason behind the group. And, um, when the lockdown kicked in, it stopped us having our, our launch, which was due to happen at the photography show in Birmingham in March. So we started taking to Zoom to have meetings and so on. And we've got members all over the world. And one thing that became immediately clear is, you know, we all wanted to do something. And uh, I came up with the idea of, well, let's have a print auction. I mean, it, it's, we're talking about photographic prints. Let's just gather as many important prints as we can, important imagery, great photography, you know, things from established photographers who are big names in the auction circle already to just very good photography that people would love to hang on their wall. And this idea just grew and grew, and uh, that's what we've been working on, as I say, for, for seven months now. And it's, gr- and it's grown from 17 to, well, there's 42 photographers in all in this now, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. So j- just to make that differentiation, the 17 photographers are members of Eyewitness. 
Yeah. Um, but the, fo- the, the total of 42 photographers, as you rightly say, includes guests, people who've, who've um, heard of our project and, and who, who we've invited over, who like what we're doing, who are, of course, huge, uh, in inverted commas, fans of, of MSF yeah. and uh, want to do their bit to help fight this, this awful pandemic. That's, that's a, it's a global problem. You know, no one is safe from this, it, it, regardless of your social standing and so on or which country you live in. It can reach out and, and uh, affect anybody. Um, of course, if we live in more developed countries and we have access to, uh, to, to to medical care, it makes it a little bit easier. But, you know, everyone struggles across the world. So MSF is, is crucial in, in what they're doing. Uh, so the 42 photographers includes people, um, great, great photographers who we've invited to join in. And they're very generous, generously just immediately said yes and sort of joined up with a group. You know, we've got legends like Ian Berry from Magnum Photos, Tim Page, the much celebrated Vietnam War photographer, uh, Tom Stoddart, um, who's an amazing photojournalist, whose whose work I'm sure everyone knows, uh, Paul Lowe, uh, who again is an amazing photojournalist, and uh, and a whole bunch of um, extraordinarily talented magazine photographers, people like Clive Arrowsmith, Jason Bell, Mark Harrison, Nicky Johnson, just to name a few. Now I know you have two in there. Um, there there's one that was featured in the the Guardian piece. Uh, sort of dark, sort of foreboding picture in in Hammersmith. Dark because we're mid torrential downpour, and you, you have this brightly illuminated poster advert with the words "Love your job, love Mondays." The the irony and the, the humour in there in the foreground. Then this sort of almost silhouetted image of this chap trudging through the rain, looking like he wants to be well, looking like he loves anything but a Monday. Frankly, in in the rain. I, I just want to talk about your image for a second, and then, then I do want to come back to some of the other photographers. Did you did you, did you see that? sign and visualize this moment and then and then wait in the rain because it looks to me like a glorious stakeout Edmund kind of yeah it's uh I was running from uh, I was running sort of through the rain to the car park to get my car and um I spotted this sign and because of the way it was illuminating um the the pavement and it was backlighting the rain I kind of it just stopped me dead in my tracks because there was it was very dramatic there was a picture to be had and the illuminated sign actually was a slideshow so it didn't always stay on that that slide which to me was my favorite because it was the brightest everything else had loads of colors and so on in it but this particular advert was was plain white with some uh, black text on top of it a little bit of text on top of it saying you know love your job so i was waiting for that slideshow to keep rolling around until it came back to the white image the white background image because it was it was lighting the rain the best and then i realized what the message said i was too busy looking at the light at this stage and of course it's pouring with rain um i've got a leica m9 which isn't weather sealed so kind of a little bit worried about that and and uh, and and you know constantly looking at the scene waiting for the right juxtaposition of things to happen and um, I got I got a little bit lucky. Got a, got a couple of interesting sort of figures when that bright white light was on, and then all of a sudden this uh, businessman, you know, carrying a briefcase and uh, and sort of in a Mac, just ran across, and I managed to shoot two frames. And I was completely flukely lucky that when he crossed my path at the same time, the slideshow had gone back to that white light. 
and it all came together uh, in, in, in literally a flash, and then it was gone. And there's a second image from you. As I mentioned there, there's two of yours. I've picked out the rainy one. Tell us about the second. The second picture I, I put in because of its, uh, of its timely nature. It's, it's a shot I made early on in the lockdown in, uh, in the UK. And uh, anyone who's, who's been to Covent Garden in London knows that it's uh, such a bustling, busy, colourful, vibrant, um, always full yeah. of people kind of place and uh, I, I went to, to to Covent Garden I went to the to the market which is in the middle of the square and there's this wonderful courtyard with loads of circular tables that's always busy with people and there's opera singers singing and there's violinists playing and so yeah, on it's a yeah. really 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 beautiful place and always buzzing with energy and of course it was completely empty with nothing no sound no movement this kind of empty barren place and uh, it really sent chills you know this is this is a lockdown this is a pandemic you know there's uh, the odd security guard walking around there's no one else on the streets and i i made the photograph as part of my my reportage on on the lockdown but i thought that it's uh, it's an important piece to have in an auction uh, that's talking about about um, raising funds to help msf fight this pandemic um, and it turns out that uh, we've got a few other sort of images from several photographers that, uh, you know, go, go along the same theme of lockdown. Shane's wonderful photograph of the virus is one of them. And the other picture uh, from the lockdown is a great photograph, very atmospheric picture by Nikki Johnston of, uh, of a sole person walking through the mist in a, in a park, either at sunrise, I think it's probably sunrise, or it, it could be sunset. Wonderful uh, emotive black and white photograph so we've we've got all sorts of um themes running through and it's it's been really great to see the expressive nature of uh, of us photographers sort of including pictures that are absolutely up uh, up to date and illustrate this this awful awful time that the world is uh, is is going through there's some interesting media in there as well such as the um the wet plate one of uh, of greta thunberg when she visited north dakota last year which i assume uh, must have been down to the pipeline demonstrations there. So there's a wide range of media, or is, is that going to be a print from from the wet plate picture? Yeah, that's going to be a print. Uh, Shane's actually made 100 limited edition prints, and that's uh, that's one of them. Yeah, he's very generously donated uh, a print of that. Sort of talking of limited editions, if you look through the, you know, if, if, if one looks through the catalogue, quite a few of these images are limited editions, which is an even bigger sort of... Uh, kindness on, on on part of the photographers um so there's 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 a few of those and for anyone who's into collecting you know as soon as something is limited it it of course uh makes it more valuable as a long-term investment as well uh, a lot of the work is also signed a lot of the work also comes with certificates of authenticity some of the prints are also embossed by the photographers who've kindly donated them so there really is various levels of of, of print in there for everyone from you know serious collectors or aspiring collectors who want to start a, a photographic print collection, all the way to people who just love photography and see a picture that they like, and, you know, it's not going to sort of break the bank. Well, the value in books and the value in prints um, is quite extraordinary now, isn't it? And um, I, I heard somebody describe it the other day as, well, it's better than buying a fine wine these days. And if you look at the images and the names behind the, I mean, Ian Berry, you mentioned Ian Berry for one. 
He he has, um, from the study of the English, if you go to the Magnum site, there's the terrific picture of the lady in, in, well, I think it's her Sunday best playing cricket on the beach. But that that's not the one that's been selected. Which which is the one that um, that was selected for for inclusion in this this auction? So it's uh, it's a picture from from his series, The English, which is um, most most people who love Ian's work, you know, for, for them that's uh, that that's that's one of the biggest, most important pieces that he shot. Very much, yeah. Um, and it's 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 a shot that shows people out for a Sunday stroll and a and a picnic in a bay in in Whitby. Um, it's kind of it's actually very Cartier-Bresson in feel, um, and it's 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 an absolutely wonderful picture. It's so atmospheric. Uh, Yoshi Nishikawa was was uh, a photographer. I wasn't so aware of of her. I am now. Um, uh, I wasn't so aware of her work. She appears within the, uh, I suppose, the fine art representation for for good reason, doesn't she? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Yoshi Nishikawa started her career as a, as a commercial photographer and then started specializing in uh, in fashion, a uh, Japanese photographer based in Milan. And she started going from fashion towards fine art and very sort of deep conceptual pieces. And uh, up to the point that um, I know that uh, during various festivals, there was a festival of photography in Milan. I, I think it was Milan or Tuscany, somewhere like that. Um, the representative from MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art, was actually recommending her work to collectors who were there to sort of see various images throughout the festival on uh, on what to collect, which is, you know, pretty much the highest accolade anyone can achieve. Yeah. So. Her work um, features in, in in many very very important private collections. This this runs. It's a live auction going to the fifteenth of November. Do, do you have any indication of what what buyers are preferring? Are they are they preferring photojournalism or portraiture or fine art? Uh, it's hard to judge because the way the the, the auction works. Um, so, so I've been. I'm of course no expert in this, but uh, what we've been led uh, led to understand by by the cell room, who are the the architecture underneath the auction, uh, is that buyers really, you know, they will put this on on their books, and then the last sort of couple of days would then start putting in their their, their proper main bits. Right. Just a, a very very vague generalization is is the the photojournalism seems to be uh, seems to be uh, in demand. At, uh, at at the moment, but who knows? You know, there's there's some beautiful, wonderful portraiture of of some amazing actors. One other thing with the sale room uh, system is that because of the lockdowns, a lot of traditional auction houses have have had to go go online, like many businesses have, um, to, to to be able to survive. Um, is the great thing with their system is although on the face of it, it might seem similar to, for example, eBay. Uh, their system actually doesn't allow sniping. So if people are sort of very uh, keen on getting a piece and want to keep upping that bid, uh, although the the, the the timing is is uh, 5 p.m. on uh, on Sunday, uh, the 15th of November, 5 p.m. GMT, of course, um, is that if there's bids coming in at that last sort of second, it continues ticking over for a, for a few minutes just to make sure that no one you know we don't get this sort of unethical someone comes in one second before snipes it and you know pays a penny more so in that respect it actually resembles a real live auction because in a real live auction bids continue coming in until you know the person who really wants it has bid the highest that they can go to and there's no one else in the room that can do that 
so in that respect, it, it resembles very much uh, a sort of a real live auction. Um, and of course, we've got James Lewis, who's the CEO of Bamford's, and anyone who's seen the BBC's Flog It or many other TV shows and uh, and watches the news will will recognise him immediately. So this is why they've gone with, uh, with 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 the sale room to sort of be the the back end. Um, system upon which the auctions are, are based and uh, we're absolutely thankful that uh, James is on board, Bamford is on board, the sale, sale room is on board and all of them have waived their fees so every penny we make goes to goes to MSF. Now you've spent seven months of, of, of this year doing this so you I always wonder when somebody gets near the end of of quite a, a time consuming project that that's been all consuming really to them, um, what they feel like as as the uh, as the end line is in sight. Yeah, I mean the, the you know the the only aim is to raise money for MSF. That's the only aim, and until the auction finishes, until that uh, all the bids are in and we know how much we've raised, I I can't relax. You know it's. Uh, it's been, as you say, an all-consuming thing. I've been constantly thinking about this, reaching out to friends and colleagues and newspapers and magazines, and we're actively um, trying to get on uh, get on TV as well in various countries. So uh, being an international, international group and an international effort and an international organization that we're helping. Um, so it's uh, at the moment. It's um, I, I said this tongue in cheek to uh, to Stuart Wood, who's uh, who's one of my colleagues in this, uh, that it feels like you know the first party you throw as a teenager, and you've invited all your mates, and you don't know if anyone's going to turn up, and you sort of. <laughs> but I told them to be here at seven, and <laughs> it's seven o five, and no one's come. It, it's weird. It sort of um, made me feel that way. Um, but uh, hopefully, you know, come seven ten the kitchen will be busting with people and the living room will be full and people will be dancing away um, metaphorically and uh, you know donating loads to 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 a most amazing organization a most amazing group of people to help them literally save lives it's uh, it's that simple you know it's great photography it's great prints it's great photographers uh, but even more important it's a great organization that we that we're doing this uh, for so really, really um, hope that people, you know, p- pull out all the stops and, uh, and, and go for this full on, you know, either as collectors or if you can just kindly share this project uh, online and amongst your friends and so on. Um, it would be very, 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 very much appreciated. Well, our sincere thanks to Edmund Terracopian for his time talking about uh, that very special auction. And if you'd like links for it... Easily done. Go to fujicast.co.uk, episode number 154. You'll find all the links to all the stuff we talk about on the show, but uh, especially this very important uh, auction. Right, back to your questions. Um, We're not sure if we did this one um, a little while ago, Kev, but Mike Watton wrote in with a question about day-in-the-life photography, but we've had two gin and tonics since then, so we can't remember whether we did it or not. Hmm. Should we just do it anyway? Yeah. A a day-in-the-life photography... This is an area that interests me, but I really have no idea how to approach or carry it out. Things like, well, let's let's deal with all of these separately then. Um, you do more day in the life than me. I've done I've done a few day in the life, but um, in fact, I did I did a sort of semi day in the life before just before the weekend before lockdown. How do you sell or promote the idea to a client? Let's deal with that one first. I think these have sort of it's been a very organic process for you, hasn't it? 
I don't think I don't recall ever seeing you um, with a with a marketing a service for day in the life. No, I, I do have a session on my website uh, that's just titled family, but I, I tend not to use the term day in the life. Why? Because they tend never to be full days. They're usually a few hours or morning or an afternoon or something. Um, but I think people like, people enjoy the concept of that more than you actually being with them for the whole day, don't they? Yes, true. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, when it comes to, I don't do that many of them. More, I don't do obviously don't do anything at the minute. But I haven't been doing that many of them. And and this is, it's easier. And this isn't meant to be a you know non PC statement or anything. But it's easier if you are a female to um, to get accepted for this kind of shoot, especially when there's young children around. Um, and that's fine. I, you know, that makes absolute sense to me. Mm. So I, I've kind of uh, left it on my website and people, for example, like I had an email uh, just about three weeks ago from a wedding, a client that I shot their wedding back in 2009. And uh, they've got three kids now, and yeah, the, yeah. The, the newest one has recently been born during the first lockdown, I think. Right. So I'm going to go in January, all things being equal, and uh, and spend the morning or an afternoon with them in Oxford and, and do it. So that's typically where my stuff comes from, from people who have kept up with my yeah. website, my social media and stuff, and, and have been like, yeah, do you, do you remember that thing you did for our wedding? Could you come and do it for us at home? Yeah um that's that's where it comes from i don't market it i don't sell it as such um i think it's a hard sell for for somebody like me um to be honest with you well, i'm but interested why, why why you say somebody like you why why do you think it's a problem for for well you know for men to do this fat middle-aged <laughs> balding miserable yeah but we're not talking about me here we're talking about you <laughs> um no i i just i don't know i mean maybe it's Maybe I'm being a bit disingenuous to myself. I don't know, but I I feel like it's uh, you know something that I I I'm, I'm I I enjoy and I, I get excited by it, but it's not something that seems to come my way mm. in that way. Yeah. Um, but then I don't really put the the hard yards into it. Mm. So I always think that for things like this, you know, you're you're unlikely to get people who have never ever really the people that really want this kind of stuff are people who either already know about or know understand the style of documentary style photography or perhaps photographers themselves whether that's amateur or professional your average joe blogs down the bottom of the road who's who's not into photography doesn't really understand you know anything about it is not likely to go oh yeah um i'm going to go on the internet and search for a day in the life photo shoot they just won't know what it's called so what they may think is i want a family i want some pictures of my family so they go to the internet and they'll type in family photographer or you know family portraits or whatever and that's that's the route they'll typically take the the idea of day in the life photography unless you already know of the term you're never going to just search for it so that's it's hard to market it like mm, that. It's mm. hard to market it as day in the life. Well, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you have to. Mar- I, I find I feel like you have to market it as family photography, and then you have to educate people that actually it's not your typical box standard. I say box standard, of course. Many editorial style family photography is very beautiful, yeah. but it's not your your more formal style of photography. It's different. And then, of course, you have to get them across the line um, in terms of getting them on board with that particular style. And bearing in mind they didn't search for that particular style in the first place becomes even more difficult. Yes. 
Yeah. Well, so yeah, there uh, there was a question here which I think you've just answered as well. Although I I think I've got something to add to it. Do you spend? Do you really spend a day with them or just a few hours? Now, I I did day in the life, um, which which I will call it. Well, it was in this case for one of your clients when you were. um, I think it was must have been in August in those those days where you used to spend your month in Spain. Kev, do you remember those days? And um, yes. Yeah, and uh, now I did. I spent the whole day with them, and the dynamic yeah. of mum, dad, um, daughter, new little, new little, new little son, and I think there were yes, there were grandparents there as well. It's not many people, and you do feel a, a bit like a not a spare part, but you're very aware of your presence. But but actually, after a, I'd say about an hour and a half, two hours, I, I think you're kind of like, oh, it's just Neil over there. It's all right. Um, you, you, yeah. yeah. So, and I spent. I spent the day with them, so we started off in the morning, um, went through lunchtime, the afternoon. One of them had a nap, I think, and then um, and and then come the evening. It was uh, it was um, it was tea time and brushed teeth, and and then Dad was reading a, a story and under a beautiful little standard lamp, and and it kind of really sort of bookended the day, as it were. And for me, I I added some. I added some sound to it as well, so we ended up with one of them semi snoring in the in the cot, and it was a really nice way to wrap it off with a with a film of stills. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I spent the whole day there. I know some people literally, and I think maybe this is this is where you and I feel a a, a bit at odds with um, suggesting this, but I know some photographers who stay there the night and wake up, and they're literally having breakfast the next day with them. Well, that's right, and and Kirsten Lewis Kirsten, in, in the yes, USA, yes, yes she's yes, she she's it. like the um, I don't know what what the word is. I wouldn't say the best in the industry, but certainly like the the most probably the well known yeah, one of, one of the lead, leading lights in it. That's for sure. Leading light, yeah, that's that's a better way of way of saying it. She gets very angry when people use the term "day in the life." Very, very angry, she? and she's okay. like, "It's day in the life if you start at midnight and you finish at midnight. Right. If it's anything less than that, it's not." Is that the dog? Is that Git? Monty's just knocked my book off the <laughs> off the counter. I put my book over. Oh, tell me, not Monty's not knocked tea over it. Done the other one now. Monty, did he put his ears up? No, no he yawned. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Kirsten Lewis gets very angry, and you know she's got every right to, I suppose. Day in the life means day. Day has twenty four yeah. hours. Um, well, otherwise, not day in the life, and yeah. she's right technically. Mm. So yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's I, I I promote it more as a family photography yeah. documentary, family style photography. That's kind of how I I throw it together. Yeah, there we go. Um, Hopefully that will, will help you, Mike. Do you know where he was from? Yeah, well, Mike's in Australia. I yeah, think. Sunshine Coast. Have you ever been to Australia? No. <laughs> However, I have spoken to Mike. Have you? Yes. Oh. Very nice guy. Oh, I thought there Australian. was a, a story in that, but there isn't a story in that. <laughs> well, no, no, not one for on air. Um, do you want to do a quick question then, book, or do you want to steam into the book? Let's go straight into the book, okay? Shall we? So, Before Monty chews it, yeah, yeah, Before uh, slobbers on it. Right. So uh, the book I have today, which you cannot see, yeah. Although I've done some diligence here, Kev, I've got um, I've got some pages, for, some photographs from, from the book up in front of me, which will hopefully make it easier. Yeah. Tell uh, us about the book, it's, Kev. It's actually published by the National Portrait Gallery. Um, but the the authors, not they're not the photographers necessarily, but the authors, Roger Hargreaves and Bill Deddies, explore the vibrant Roger Hargreaves, of course, um, explore the vibrancy and significance of the press photograph in the history of portraiture. 
Drawing on the rich archives of newspaper photography, Daily Encounters illuminates the stories behind the most compelling British press portraits of the 20th century. Right. Uh, it's a nice little book, little kind of hardback, um, A4 size book. It's available on Amazon. I checked. It's not out of print or anything like that. It's not a photo book in the, in terms of it's just pictures, yeah. but there's lots of um, description and text about. So you, it's as much about the photographers as it is about the um, photos themselves. So, for example, page 31 um, says there's a picture of uh, four photographers or three photographers and a light guy holding lights. And, of course, these cameras are huge because this is from 1956. Yeah. Big old cameras, yeah. big big flashlights a lot of roliflexes uh, as well actually. a lot of roliflex um and it goes on to say the press conference quickly emerged as the most convenient way for celebrities and dignities to address in one go the swelling numbers of newspaper reporters and photographers and the swelling numbers of photographers can you imagine yeah. imagine like if they're still around 60 years later and the unswelling of those numbers and then you have so you have lots of kind of cutouts like that but there's lots of full double page spreads as well which are beautiful mm. um you know really nice kind of pictures that will have adorned the, the you know the, the the evening standard and the echo and all that kind of stuff um and then there's you know you you kind of have um, pictures from the news as well which aren't necessarily um, pictures that are you're going to look at and think oh my god these are amazing but when you read the story um so i was always i don't know about you but when i was a kid i was fascinated by things like dr crippin you remember dr crippin oh god yeah that's very um, dark yeah so this is this is the uh, this is a picture of dr crippin and ethel leneve right. um 22nd of october 1910 right uh, 1910 oh, so they're in the dock ago? Blimey. uh the dramatic mid-atlantic arrest of dr crippin of course he was arrested on the boat wasn't he mm. uh, as he fled to canada was followed by shocking details of his wife's murder and the disposal of her body Crippen was said to have buried her limbs in the kitchen mm. stove, dissolved her organs in acid mm. in the bathtub and packed her head in a handbag. Don't give Gemma any ideas. Which he jettisoned on a day trip to Dieppe. My God. During the trial at the Old Bailey, photographers packed the courtroom with cameras concealed in their hats, masking the shutter noise with a cough. <laughs> <coughs> oh, just like winning uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Yeah, just <coughs> like that. Major? Yeah. Major? Major? Imagine that now, yeah, everybody would be giving you the the, 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 right. the corona stare. Oh, God, yeah. You're coughing, yeah. You're coughing sir. No. Uh, just taking a picture. <coughs> uh, the, the coughing became so bad that the judge threatened to clear the press benches and banned photography from the courtroom. The ban eventually became law in the 1925 Criminal Justice Act. So there you go, Dr. Crippen was responsible for oh, photography wow. being banned in, in, the, in the courts. No way. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, there, that's there, a great story. That Doctor Crippen thing. Yeah, I love that. Is. that. There's, there's one here. It doesn't have a huge amount of story to it, um, there, but there's a byline on it um, from the Daily Express, 1945. A doctor. It, there's a guy lying on a on a gurney here, and uh, somebody with a piece of paper just behind him, uh, reading. I'm, I'm assuming they're sort of testing him for what I'm about to say. So they're reading him a question, and he's lying with sort of lying on his back, and he looks. He's looking straight up into the air. He looks drugs, and he is drugs, because he's just... A, a doctor injects a truth drug into the arm of a volunteer in an experiment monitor by, uh, monitored by Express journalists in 1945. They were trying out the original truth drug. Whoa. Truth drug. Oh, we truth could do drug. with some of that now, couldn't we? Yeah. Uh, and, I'm looking yeah. at page 64. Charlie Chaplin strolling along the embankment, London. 
Um, so this was the, the start of paparazzi, basically. Pursuing yeah. celebrities has always been an accepted part of press photography. While the 1931 Fox photographer had none of the advantages of long lenses, he would have been working with a relatively large glass plate negative. This meant he did not have to come in too close to the subject, uh, and the editor could then crop in tight. Chaplin had made his first triumphant return from Hollywood to his native London in 1921. Ten years later, he was back again, this time to promote City Lights, Arguably, arguably the greatest silent film ever. So paparazzi, Charlie Chaplin, and, and I love looking at these pictures, right? Yeah, so yeah. this is uh, this is Safe Embankment, so you can see it. And like the trees that are there will still be there now. And That's we've all true. walked yeah, probably true, in yeah. the same footsteps. Yes. The pavement will be the same. The pavement yeah, is, yeah. A, the paving stones are probably the same ones. Uh, you know, Corporation of London and all that, it's they ain't broke, they're not going to fix it. <laughs> And you could probably go and stand in exactly the same steps. Isn't that funny? Funny to think, it. isn't it? There's one here, Ron, Ronald and Re Ron, Ronnie and Reggie. Remember Ronnie and Reggie? No, but you oh, won't remember them, yeah. but you, you know the story, of course. Ronnie and Reggie Cray. Anybody in, in America think, who? Ronnie and Reggie Cray were, uh, were well, were described as gangsters in the, the East End of London, weren't they? And they had mm. uh, a stranglehold on, on the area. Um uh, and uh, there's pictures of uh, of Reggie with uh, Francis Shea, who he married in 1965. And there they are on their wedding. It's a wedding picture, Kev. It's a portrait. Yeah, I'm Even looking at that one now. Ronnie and Reggie April did a, 19, He got married on April Fool's Day. Did he? <laughs> Was it? Yeah, 1st of April 1965. Same page as that. Henry Cooper, 21st of May 1966, covered in blood oh. with his boxing gloves on. Splash it all over. Cripes, that's a good one, that. Do you remember Henry that? Coop Did you remember Henry, Henry Cooper Henry was Cooper. bat the bloodied when his rematch against Mamad Ali, the world champion, at Arsenal's Highbury Stadium was stopped after six rounds. Did they do it at Highbury Stadium? Wow, I never knew that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I mean, it's one... I, but it comes quite up to date as well. We were talking about... Um, we're talking about the, the anything from 1910 up to the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s. But there's one here from uh, Lady Diana Spencer, surrounded by press photographers shortly before the announcement of her engagement to to Charles. It, uh, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a really fascinating it book. Is. Oh, I tell actually. you what, it's very historic, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, you know, it's, it's one of those books that even if you're not necessarily into the pictures, the stories behind them, are, are really fascinating. I'm, I, I'm ordering one, but, but, but I have the advantage now of being able to order one because um, before this episode comes out on Monday. <laughs> well, if you wait till Monday, yeah. if you wait till Monday, yeah. you could go to the very famous but frequently unvisited and unloved show notes page yes. where there will be a link to the Amazon book that Absolutely. you could purchase. Yes. Yeah. And then you could give us both about eight pence. <laughs> I'll send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> but am I right in thinking I looked at the Amazon one quickly it's not expensive is it it's about four quid four quid five quid yeah that's now yeah. for this I mean I've had mine for a long time I don't wow. know is it a big when book it was... is it a big book Kev no A4 right. um, A4 but it was published I'm trying to see when it was first published um, 5th of July 2007 right okay oh right okay. it's a reasonably modern book yeah. 2007 yeah so it was to accompany the yeah. Daily Encounters um, exhibition at the National Portrait Gallery. Brilliant. Daily Encounters photographs from Fleet Street. I'm definitely buying that. It's yeah. very cool. Very yeah, cool. Yeah, love it. Four quid. What could possibly go wrong? Five quid. I've got one here for five quid. Four pound fourteen. Four pound fourteen. That's my final offer. <laughs> I'll take it. Done. <laughs> Done. Right, back to your questions then. Um, this one's from Chris Stevenson. Hello, Neil. Hello, Kevin. Um, love the work you both do. Keep it up. We'll try. Uh, I'm new to the business side of photography, and my question is all about do 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 contracts. 
Not the most sexy of subjects, um, but it's important, isn't it? Can you spend some time explaining what key points should be included? Uh, well, he's got several pointers here, so let's start off with the... Uh, I, I suppose it depends what you're contracting, doesn't it? I mean, if you're contracting a, a wedding or if you're, you're contracting a commercial shoot, commercial shoot's going to have perhaps some stuff in there about um, image ownership um, in, a different, in a different stance to what you would position within a wedding contract. That's true, isn't it? Yeah, it, of course it will be different, but the, the fundamental principle of a contract is it has to be fair to both parties. Uh, is for, I've seen lots of contracts from, from, to- from photographers which are basically yeah. just about them. Yes, but yes. It has to be fair for both parties. Yeah. Every clause has to be fair for, fair for, fair for both parties. Yeah, not yeah. easy for me to say. Mm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I think our wedding con- contracts are pretty standard. Uh, yours is probably similar to mine, but mm. mine, mine essentially covers things like, um, you know, what 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 can be expected in terms of um timelines uh what happens if i'm unwell i now have a covid clause yeah i have one of those yeah what does your covid uh, clause say what what give us the sort of gist of your covid clause my, my covid clause says basically says um if for some reason so if you have to postpone your wedding because of covid or because of a pandemic um then i if I'm available, I will give you 18 months. And if I'm available in that 18 months, I will book, I will photograph the wedding. Yeah. No, yeah. no kind of rescheduling fees or anything like that. Um, subject to me being available. If I'm not available, then I will, you know, I will kind of suggest that other photographers for you to work with if possible. If I have to self isolate and cannot come to your wedding, so that's the the thing we all dread, isn't it? The Friday morning, you get your COVID. God, yeah. Your, the, your mobile the, phone pings, and you yeah. think, oh, someone's oh. left me a nice message on Instagram, and it's the it's, it's the not, government saying, yeah. stay at home. Yeah. Um, then my contract, my clause there says, if 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 it's me that has to self isolate, then I will do my utmost to find somebody to shoot the wedding for you. However, if I can't, or the person I find you do not want, then I will refund your um uh, your fees, any fees paid, including the deposit. However, if you cancel, if you cancel completely because of a pandemic, um, then the normal cancellation terms apply, um, which are pretty standard. If you cancel within 90 days, then, you know, you have to pay the full amount, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, it's you can you can change your date, essentially. I'm happy for you yeah. to change the date. And as long as I'm free, I'll, I'll, I'll shoot it for you. The COVID thing is so difficult, isn't it, to get your head around, though? Um, because there's th- so many so many things that could happen. Well, I, I haven't even called it COVID in my contract. I've called it pandemic. Have you? you know, because, Just in case there's another one. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah. Can't wait. COVID number two. <laughs> God. You thought COVID was bad. Wait for COVID Wait till two. COVID two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you still got the uh, Busink clause, as we used to call oh, it? Oh, yes. That was the other thing. Yeah. Do you still have that? I know I've taken it off, and I, I'm, I'm wondering whether to put it back in, but you can explain what it is, because it's rather clever. Yeah, I can't remember the exact wording, because obviously it's contracty, but essentially it says you cannot reject these pictures on by because you don't like them, basically, because... Right. Uh, you know, you've looked at my website, you've looked at my pictures, etc., etc. You cannot, 
you cannot withhold payment based on the fact that you do not like the pictures, the yeah. aesthetic style of the pictures. Or they can't chase you afterwards, perhaps, because of course with weddings, many much of it is is prepaid. So afterwards, are you trying to yeah. are you trying to sort of stop the situation of somebody coming back saying, "Oh, well, they're not like they yeah, no," and where whereas. Yeah, they've bought it's into your that. yes, okay. They bought into your style, so therefore they can't reject it afterwards. Yeah, they can't. They can't basically say, you know, you've delivered documentary photos, and we wanted, you know, formal pictures. Um, that's that's what that clause is about. Yeah, um, and and it, of course it's named after. Uh, well, we've named it. We've called it the Busink uh, uh, clause, but it's Joe, Joe Busink, the amazing um, American wedding photographer. And that that was something that I think we both heard him talk about at um, an event, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a Jorgensen Roadshow, wasn't it? That's in, right, in, yeah. It was brilliant. In Bristol, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was a very bizarre day because I went to the loo and Joe Busink came in and, and stood next to me at the, uh, at the at the wall. And it was that one of those moments of, all right, Joe? Yeah, okay. <laughs> what do you say? Yeah, but what he's probably say? gone home and said, uh, hey, you never <laughs> guess what happened to me in Bristol. I'm very... <laughs> went, went into the loo and this, yeah. uh, this, this Radio 1 DJ came no, up. Okay. I've got his little tinkle out next to me. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I highly doubt that. <laughs> uh, but, but it was one of those, you're right. <laughs> Men find it very difficult to know what to do in that situation. But yeah. uh, I tell you one thing you didn't do, which I see at weddings a lot. What is it about men that use their mobile phones when they're standing at the wall? Honestly, can't you put your mobile phone down for two seconds? No, I totally agree. And if you can't, put your, if you have to walk, look at your mobile phone when you're going to the loo, you're <laughs> going to end up divorced. Guarantee yes. it. Right. Next question of that was because uh, Chris had a few points here. He said, "What does, what's the best way to get a client to sign a contract? Is there a way to get a digital signature, for example? Yes, there is. You could go. Well, there's many packages. Adobe have their own, um, don't mm-hmm. they? And there's uh, what's that one called? Echo Sign, isn't it? Adobe's Echo Sign. Yeah. yeah. There's lots of different ways you can do it. You don't need them to physically sign it uh, these days. You don't. You, certainly in the UK, don't know about other countries. And in fact, my understanding actually is that they don't even need to digitally sign it for it to be a, right. a legal... They can just reply to an email saying, yes, understood, and And that's and contracted, is it? If, if they and that's it. contractable, right, yes. Yeah. Um, however, I suppose it does depend a little bit on the value of the contract and all that kind of stuff and, yeah. and you yeah. know, how much you need protection. Yeah. The way that I do it is I send them a PDF still, um, and I just say to them, if you can sign it at the bottom, you don't need to sign it with a pen and put it in the post to me. You can just use your iPhone and scriggle on it with your... Mm. finger mm. and then just email it back and that's what most people do and that's what i do as well um yeah. is there somewhere i can get a free template to edit from uh the association of photographers used to have i don't know that they still do so but you don't have to go and look this up but they used to have uh some uh, really handy uh, templates um i remember because that's where i wrote my original one um donkeys years ago during the war um so I don't know whether they still have it, but it w- probably wouldn't be that hard to find them online. But of course, you've got to be uh, aware that uh, in different countries, laws etc. will mean you know different things, won't they? Yeah, so and, best, and I, I'm always, I often get people ask me, can you know, can you send us a copy of your contract, like other photographers, and and I do sometimes, and 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 I always caveat it with, look, this is just mine. You must absolutely get it checked by your yes. own solicitor. Yes, um, because just because i have it doesn't mean it's right and i definitely don't want you using a contract of mine um you need to get it drawn up yourself so i i think the templates are yeah they're going to be pretty bare bones um if they are out there but the best thing to do is is you know you 
I, I don't know if you did it, but I had I did get mine checked with a with a solicitor, who who basically just said, yeah, it's fine, it's fair enough, you know, it's yeah. and that's that's ultimately what they do. They check to make sure it's fair. Yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't. I didn't want him to say, well, what if this happens and blah blah blah. I just wanted him to say, is this a contract that's fair for me to send to clients? Yeah, that's exactly what I did because well, the first time I did it, what you've just described happened. And they, in the, they sort of made this contract really unfriendly. And I thought, I can't send that to anybody. They'll look at that and think, you know, what's this about? So the next time I went and I said, please, you know, do exactly what you've just described, Kevin. That's what they did. Mm. Um, and then uh, finally he says, uh, or maybe just as an idea, if you're a, a, a patron member, maybe you could provide us with your very own version to download and edit. This would definitely encourage me to sign up. Download and, and edit? What does that mean? Well, what he meant was in the patron area, if if, um, you could put up a, you know, how to do your contract. Oh, I see. To join, you see. That was just, anyway. Um, Talking of which, last question of the day, Ignacy Zilawaski. Um, oh, say that, say that five times really quickly. Ignacy Zilawaski, Ignacy Zilawaski, Ignacy Zilawaski, Ignacy (laughs) Zilawaski, whiskey. Okay, fine, Neil. Yada yada. Few questions for you and your techo friends at Fujifilm. I've had my X Pro three for nearly a year now, and uh, iOS still does not support its its RAF natively support its RAF files. In fact, it lacks support for all recent. Do you know what Kev's going to say here straight away? But in fact, it lacks support for all recent Fujifilm cameras, the XT four, the X one hundred V. It's incredibly frustrating since most photo editing apps rely upon uh, the operating system for raw conversion. Even Lightroom Mobile, which has its own conversion pipeline, relies on um, iOS for displaying previews before import. My question for your technical connections at Fujifilm are, how does the partnership of any work between Fujifilm and Apple? I'm not quite sure, really, on this one. What do you think? Uh, Yeah, I have no idea. And, uh, I mean, I know I'm not going to, you know, Windows has its foilables and so does the Mac stuff, but... I know that the Apple, I think it's the problem with Apple, I think, from what I can gather, is that they don't release their iOS um, betas and things like that and what have you. You know, it kind of just comes out of the blue, doesn't it? Um, Whereas with Windows, Microsoft, they're, you know, you constantly, it's out. It's it's like Windows, the next version of Windows 10 is is usually in the the wild on the, what they call the um, preview um, ring a good nine ten months beforehand so it might be something to do with that don't know but yeah ultimately it's the operating system that needs yeah. to to see the files um windows by the way windows 10 natively doesn't see that rafa i mean it will see them and will import them and work with them and lightroom and all that kind of stuff but you won't be able to see the thumbnails um unless you install a little download that, that microsoft supply um little codec all right, so there's a similar kind of problem going on there, is there? Uh, well, I, I'm not sure whether he means that the iOS stuff can't actually see the files. Well, Windows can, it just doesn't show you the little previews until yeah. you download the little codec. But, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, there is, there's always a lag. Yeah, it's lagging. Is that what you get as well, Kev? It's lagging. Dad, it's lagging. The internet's lagging. Turn the internet up. We usually get that. Uh, have you, do you play Rocket League much still? Not really. No. Not, I must admit, Albie's into his flight sim now. Oh, is he? Well, that's the we big. Spent hours flying. Is he going going sort of transatlantic and stuff? Well, that, we usually we get the lagging thing with uh, with Rocket League. It's lagging. I can't see the ball. Dad. Lagging. So, like it's all my fault. 
Anyway, that's that's it for this week. Um, thank you to our guest, Edmund Terracopian. If you've liked any of uh, uh, of uh, the stuff on the show and you want to comment about it, there's uh, well, go go and make one of those review things that we used to talk about a lot. They're still very relevant, you know. Um, and share on Twitter and, and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. See you and on the- love us on Patreon. Oh yes, so yes, yes. And um, see you on the Facebook group for any questions you have about uh, today's show. Play nice in there, of course. Send your questions into click at fujicast.co.uk. Uh, music from Blue Wednesday with supporting music from the incredible artlist.iron. There we go, Kev. We've done well our done. Fir- we've done our first lockdown one again. How did it yes. feel? Did it feel all right? Minus the beer. Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> Kev needs the beer. I well, need to work on it a bit. Well, I need to work on my my uh, my. Uh, well, it's it's nice to hear the family sort of uh, coming through the door every possible opportunity as well. <laughs> of course, yeah. We need to we need to work on the timing next time. As well. <laughs> right, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. The Fujicast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.